What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday night. I am Chad Brock. And I'm Zach Bailiff. You guys are watching or listening to the Orion Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Good to see you. Good to see. You. We can kind of see them. They're in the comments. Yeah, I can see you. I can see. I can see. The, <laughs> I can see the comments. I can see the comment section. Got Miss Jean. Miss Jean saying hi. Do you hope she's the uh, she's, AKA the Den Mother? Yeah, the she's giant. the the faithful, the the one, and usually the first guest to chime in. So, so not only does our moms watch, Jean watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You gotta have yeah. somebody. You gotta have you gotta somebody. At least, got at least three in the audience. So Mike is hot tonight. I can hear it rattling my own ears. Um, yeah, man. So it's been like a week. You got uh, got all kinds of new fun stuff coming up. Weather's changing. It's spring, even though it's February, it's yeah, early it's, spring, fake spring, as I've been calling it. It's even turning a little warmer in the afternoons over here in PA. So. We had a balmy uh, 56 today and going to top out at uh, 70 tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to it. Boats coming out this weekend. Guarantee it. There you go. I'm ready, man. We've not, ready. Fished, we've not fished in February in a t-shirt in a, a while. So I actually come across that picture. It was in the old, uh, the old memory selection <laughs> the other day. So good times, but hopefully, hopefully we'll get some bites. And I know that, uh, I know Bromit went out and caught us stack of bluegill on yeah. what was it saturday yeah he went out saturday and braved the weather while i stayed at home and got ready to go but tackles ready everything's loaded up dry clothes are packed it's just that time it's that time yeah. it's like you've been hearing that uh that reel the joe rogan reel with the uh, theo vaughn mm. spring is in the air he's like it's yeah January. it's really yeah, here. everybody's starting to chatter a little bit about turkeys and 3D oh, shoots are 3D shoots are kicking up, and I'm trying to get a bow ready for redding. So it's uh, you got a big almost, shoot coming up, almost here. Yeah, yeah. Gonna head down the place. Uh, redding is in May. That's in May, first, so first weekend of May. So no, not too far off. How's the indoor training going, man? It's good. It's uh, shooting a 20 yard Vegas base, which for those that don't know, the X is about the size of a nickel. Uh, with an 83-pound hunting bow, shooting four-millimeter shafts is uh, a bit mentally challenging at times, but it's good to get reps in. So, are you uh, are you getting to the point where the reps are getting smoother? 
That's the oh, the reps are the reps are smooth. It's just getting my my head out of the way and executing the way I know how to do it. So just kind of it's it's good to just retrain myself on execution and back engagement and uh, work on that front shoulder holding the bow steady. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, alluded to, it's the very when you start shooting spots and stuff like that, it, it is very mentally taxing. I think as mm-hmm. you progress through it, you know, you're your own worst enemy sometimes because you're focusing on perfection. Yeah, I do. That's yeah, that's why I go fishing because I can't be perfect. <laughs> it limits yeah. my perfection. Yeah. Well, we yeah. got a we got a heck of a guest tonight, man. Um, I'm excited. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you throw down the intro, and uh, you, you just spill the beans. Tell them who we got tonight. Yeah, it's uh, Mr. Matt Davis, a longtime friend of mine. Um, man, just a, a killer trad archer, traditional archery guy. Uh, you know, hunting mule deer and elk out west. Fitness junkie, which is you know part of that in archery is how we kind of got acquainted and got to know each other a bit. And uh, you know, he's worked in the fitness industry a little bit, and then. Took up a love of uh, upland hunting and some, you know, business ownership and entrepreneurship, and now he's got his own company in the in the upland space. So, welcome on, Matt. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Caught me, caught me slipping. I did. Oh. I stole and caught me slipping. Yeah. I'm yeah. just glad I wasn't on mute. That that wouldn't have been the first time I start talking. They're like. <laughs> <laughs> it happens oh. it happens on the orion podcast more than we'd probably ever like to admit <laughs> well that's the joy of a live show we've said it before <laughs> we screw up man we just we flat out screw up at least once a show i forget something you know forget like sponsors or whatever like up there in the corner that i just flipped up there so you know <laughs> it, it's a learning process where you're into it and we're still trying to figure it out. We yeah. might get there by 24. That's our goal. Yeah. <laughs> Two years to kind of work out the bugs and then, you know, get it get it all ironed out. But With the live show, you never know what you're going to get. Internet cuts out. <laughs> you just never yeah. know. But it adds a little adds a little pizzazz. We can see who's out there commenting and, and hang out with those folks for a little bit. Gene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the den mother so you guys are about to get dumped on with a little bit of that white stuff i hear yeah it's already it's already hitting us we uh we were trying to stay in front of it we just got home about two o'clock this morning from the big upland trade show that goes on well th- this particular year was out in minneapolis minnesota there and that's the the pheasants forever and quail classic pheasant fest that's like the big to do of uh of upland hunting so gotcha. we uh we we raced that we raced that home and uh going out was wasn't smooth sailing and coming home wasn't <laughs> either but uh it's it's a bit of a pull it always stinks because everything's you know on the east east side of the states yeah. here and we're over in utah and yeah. so it, it's always going to be 18 to 20 hours and uh you know depending on the on the weather it can be a little bit longer so yeah. It is what it is and it takes what it takes, but we're alive. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this time of year, anytime you're burning gas across Montana, Wyoming, and those states, it's just it's hard telling what you're gonna run into out there. 
it is you you play it by ear you just basically have your phone up and you're just looking at the weather and just trying to figure out where you can get to right i mean 80 i80 going across wyoming it's it's you have no idea if you're going to come around a corner and there's a gate closed right i mean they'll just shut right. the freeway down and semi trucks are lined along the sides and it's anyways we going out there we had to take a couple back roads and I about ran out of diesel. I uh, <laughs> ran about 10 miles from empty and just oh, luckily, luckily made it into this little, little, little podunk town. And God, I think I paid $6 a gas gallon for diesel, but I figured that was cheaper than bleeding my injectors and yeah. off about yeah. that I would have been dealing with. So. Yeah. And in those conditions, you Golly. know, $6 a gallon doesn't sound so bad. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I was happy to pay it. Yeah. 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 That, that stuff throws a wrench in the plane, especially when you're pulling a trailer and you know, the booth and inventory and all that stuff. That's, that's a whole nother ball game versus just driving a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got, you got a long bed truck and a 20 foot trailer that weighs, you know, six, 7,000 pounds. And there were a couple spots out there. It, it was, I mean, pretty gnarly. You get going and there would just be sheets of ice. Just oh, that it's just been run over so many times and you know it's it's you know it's 20 packed. something degrees yeah. and so you're basically you can see the sheet of ice coming and so you just lock your hands on the wheel because you know <laughs> you can't turn the wheel don't accelerate don't slow down and you yeah. kind of just aim for somewhere on the road where you want to end <laughs> up and dude it was a lot a lot of pucker factor going the pucker on. factor was high on <laughs> <laughs> oh, beat, me, no. beat me to it yeah, yeah. So Matt, let's let's kind of jump into this thing. One of the things that we always like to ask, and how we kind of start off the Orion podcast, is with the big question: How'd you get started, man? Like, how did uh, how did the outdoors come to find you and and make an impression on your life? Oh shoot, man, um, y'all! I feel like I feel like maybe my story isn't overly special as far as how the outdoors found me or how I found it. I think it's you know a, a rinse, lather, repeat of just naturally being drawn to it at a young age and having a dad that was willing to take me out, let me hunt, let me fish and kind of just get into that stuff. And I, I just embraced it at, 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 for, for what it was. It was something I just, I couldn't get enough of as a kid and uh, ended up coming back. I went, I, you know, graduated high school. I actually went and served a mission for my church and came back mm -hmm. and uh, was going to school, working on my degree and Utah is really, I mean, it is the mecca of outdoor companies. I mean, there are a lot of really, really big um, outdoor businesses out this way. And, you know, obviously had ambitions to potentially work for some of them and uh, eventually actually got a job for Hoyt Archery. And that's actually how mm -hmm. Zach and I got to know each other. He kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier in the intro. Um you know, I was my, in my early 20s and ended up having a great run there working for a fantastic company. I was there for a little over six years, um, enjoyed, I mean, absolutely every second of that. It was really unique. I, I, I was very blessed in the regards of, you know, I hopped in and kind of started out in customer service, but was mm -hmm. fortunate to transi transition into kind of an international sales role. And so I was managing all of our international sales account, which is, sales accounts which is all the target archery and going into that i didn't even know that target archery existed i just bow hunted right like right, i didn't right, even right. know I like 
I started seeing some of those bows. And I'm like, what in the world are these things, you know? <laughs> and it was very, very foreign to me initially. Um, but over the course of the years, you know, it was fantastic to be able to, you know, I, I, I traveled the world. I mean, I got to go all over the world, all over to Asia and Europe. And I mean, I'm a 20 year old kid, you know, being able to mm -hmm. run around and just, I feel like I lived, you know, my dream while I was there, you know, and uh, it was, it was fantastic. Anyways, through those relationships and, and kind of networking and different things like that, uh, Zach spoke a little bit to, uh, you know, kind of the, the outdoor space and the, and the fitness space. And at the time, you know, there was a handful of, you know, young startup companies that were kind of getting into the nutrition space and kind of focusing on that hunter athlete mentality, right? Like this was mm -hmm. like the era of like Cameron Haynes becoming Cameron Haynes. Like I knew Cam Haynes when nobody knew who Cam Haynes was. Right. Like right. Th that, that type of thing. Right. And um, so, you know, that was kind of the trend that was happening in that space. And you started seeing a lot of companies start catering to that and start focusing on that. Um, and I actually, you know, built a couple of relationships with some of the initial founders of Mountain Ops. Um, they actually ended up hiring me away from Hoyt. Um, I was the second employee they hired and I actually still work there today. A lot of people don't know that, but I, I actually am still employed by Mountain Ops and I'm very grateful for them. They're really good people, you know, a an objective based company, very, very good core values that does a lot of really good things. And so I'm fortunate, you know, because I was essentially in an early on employer, early adopter of Mountain Ops. Um, I'm able to run my own business in basically my spare time and mm -hmm. they fully that which is is it, i think i feel like that's really special in today's yeah. world that you have um you know people that are basically saying hey like as long as you're performing here it's all performance based right like there, there's right, very right. specific numbers that are tied to my contributions within the company and if those if that takes me two hours whatever it takes me eight hours whatever if it's 40 hours doesn't matter it's all based on performance so as long as i'm performing in my role they don't care what I do with the rest of my time. And I'm really just not one to sit around and thumb around on Facebook or, you know, just, just, I won't say waste my time, but just spend too much time on, uh, on social media and other things that maybe don't add as much value as what I want in my life. And so, um, I've always been a bird hunter, always loved bird dogs in general. And kind of how Final Rise came to be, which is the name of uh, of our Upland company. Um, growing up, my parents owned an industrial sewing business, mm -hmm. so I've always known how to sew. I've always tweaked with my hunting gear, changed my backpacks, my pants, like all all those different things, right? And you know, being a bird hunter, you know, there's there's a lot of great packs and different things out there. But there was, you know, I felt like there was there was something missing. You know, I was living in this world of of big game hunting or the big game space. And you look at, you know, Sitka, Kuyu and all these other pinnacle companies. Right. And it's moving at such an accelerated rate. I mean, every year there's different components, different textiles, different garments, you know, yeah. different construction processes. And you look to the to the archery space. Right. Zach. And it's like, dude, it, it, it blows my mind the innovation that is constantly being injected into these spaces mm -hmm. and bird hunting. I mean, bird hunting is very passive. I kind of feel like there's this big gap between people that really like bird hunting. There's a lot of the older guys and it kind of fell off. There's not, there aren't a lot of young guys my age 
Um, and I'm 32, but there aren't a lot of younger guys that are like diehard bird hunters. And anyways, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring some of the experience that I have in backpack hunting and in understanding backpacks and having access to all the wonderful gear. You know, it's a, you can get pro deals on stuff, right? So I've got all oh, the fancy right. backpacks, got all the fancy camo and all these different things. I'm like, man, if I took that, that and that and brought <laughs> that over to an up and I changed X, Y, Z, man, I feel like you could have a really, really nice system that carries well, that like just fulfills all the particular needs that I was looking for. And so I honestly just made a couple of them for kicks and giggles. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I, I've always had sewing machines. And so I had a sewing machine in the house and I knew fabrics, I knew textiles because my parents owned a company. And so I knew where to get stuff. And so I just hopped online and ordered some Cordura and ordered some, you know, YKK zippers and ITW Nexus, you know, buckles and stuff and just spun a couple of them up. And, you know, we'd go hunt and we're like, ah, you know, this, this didn't work how I wanted it to, or this wasn't as comfortable as I wanted this to be. And we just go back to my house and then we would just sew on it and we just change it. And then we would go back out and hunt again. And it was just this really cool R and D process that mm -hmm. was so churning firm because it was like hunt repair hunt fix like we were just like going right. back and forth just like constantly moving that product and you know as as mountain ops was growing there there was there was a it kind of come to a point in time where the company was actually selling a portion of the ownership and my job went from hey you wear every hat in marketing like any small startup kind of does to yep. mm -hmm. hey we're hiring people we're restructuring we're getting people in specific lanes and matt here's what we need you to do. So it goes from, I have all these hats to here's my lane. Here's what I need to contribute. And when you go from that startup grind of like never not working to right. all of a sudden it's like, I could go home at five o'clock and I'd get home. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? If I wasn't shooting my bow. And so I'm like, God, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just try selling a couple of these. And I tell people all the time, my goal guys was just to be able to pay for some extra hunting. If right. I could get a elk tag or a deer tag in Colorado, Idaho, or Wyoming every year, you know, a couple thousand bucks or whatever, just to be able to go and then obviously expense, you know, right off my lifestyle, essentially, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Stuff like that. Um, it was just a no brainer. And so I was like, well, I'll just do it for fun. And one thing led to another. And I have a, an obsessive personality in both good ways and bad ways. And started leaning into it a little bit more and thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what this can be. I'm just going to, I'm going to do all the things that I've been doing for other companies and the things that I know and the strategy and the playbooks that I've written that have made a lot of people, a lot of money. Like I'm going to try that for myself. I'm going to try that in my own space. And uh, man, here we are, we're going into our fourth year of business and have just had explosive growth, you know, to go from something that my wife and I were cutting fabric on our kitchen table to, now we have a full-blown warehouse and we have cut and sew facilities and have to have turned that into essentially the American dream of American manufacturing. And that's really kind of our MO as a company. We're we're 100% American made and sourced. That is like who we are to the core. I feel like there's a lot of great companies out there that really embody that. You know, you've got you, a Kafaru and an XO mm -hmm. and a handful of these companies. It's like, this is who we are and this is what we do and I don't, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people like, 
I often wonder if people really realize the value of that, right? And people are like, oh, you know, this is more expensive. You know, buying American made is expensive. And I understand that, you know, sourcing stuff here, absolutely. But I, I always tell people, I'm like, how expensive do you think it would be if everything was done overseas, if everything was foreign and they controlled the entire market? If there weren't people doing the American made in the trenches and they had absolute control on that, I promise you it'd be way more expensive to buy foreign. And so I'm not knocking any of the foreign stuff in any way at all. I feel like there's it, there it, it's good to have all those different things working in unison. Um, but I truly believe that American made is the future of, you know, American manufacturing, both in soft goods, you know, materials, different things like that. And I feel like we experienced a couple things over the past couple of years that have really brought brought that to light and i feel like a lot of people are starting to realize the value in that and so ultimately while you know this is my passion here i would love to be able to really grow a lot of our manufacturing you know i'm i'm a hunter i'm a bird hunter but i'm a hunter and i feel like there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of other soft goods as well and so you know final rise is really the tip of the spear this is this is a way for me to express myself and my passions uh through gear and through bird hunting but there's a lot of other things that I love as well. And uh, I, I think we'll start getting there in the next year or two. Yeah, that'd be awesome to see. Um, just outside outside looking in what you guys have done in such a relatively short time and the uh, the climate that it's that it has been the last couple of years has been really special to see. So no, thank you. And it 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 really has, you know, it's when we launched it was when everything was essentially shutting down with covid and i I don't feel like we could have picked a worse time (laughs) to try and start a business and so we've just been extremely blessed that things have gone the way that they have and you know i i feel like the harder we harder we work the luckier we get and that's kind of just how i was raised i was i was raised to work hard and I believe if we buckle down and do the right things and we're good people and we have integrity and we treat people the way that we want to be treated, both as customers and in business, I feel like that goes a long ways in today's world. And so everything's kind of come full circle and the ball's rolling. Right. Yeah. And and it probably feels good too, knowing that, you know, you're giving friends and neighbors and the guy down the road a a a, a job. I mean, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of gratification in that. You're not only supporting you know, your dreams, but you're supporting somebody else's dreams now through your products. Absolutely. What one really cool thing that we uh, that we were actually and we're, we're getting close to, to, to crossing the finish line on this goal. But uh, we were out in Minnesota this past week and I'm good friends with a lot of the guys over at Onyx. I've just had a working relationship with those guys for quite a while. And we did a big collaborative booth at Pheasant Fest together because um, Onyx isn't necessarily selling anything. You know, they have their iPad stands and different stuff, mm-hmm. and they've got a great mm-hmm. team that's there to help people understand how to use the product, a lot of demoing and stuff like that. But because they're not selling anything, um, you know, we figured, hey, like, we draw a lot of people into the Final Rise booth. You guys are bringing stuff in. Like, let's do a big booth experience together. But, like, let's go into this with a mission to actually, you know, accomplish something that has – that supports the outside, that supports the reason that we're here. And what I'm speaking to is Pheasants Forever. And so one of the things we did is we designed this really cool um, hat. We ran a thousand of these hats and we're selling for 25 bucks a piece. And so the goal is to raise 25 grand. Well, here's where it gets really cool. 
specifically in the state of Minnesota, Pheasants Forever is able to receive a 40x match on every dollar that's donated to Pheasants Forever for their habitat restoration. Wow. Every state is a little bit different. And I think what they were saying is that like on average, their like match is like a 3x match. Um, and that's just through different sorts of government funding. But Minnesota is 40x. And so wow. it's like, you know, I, I sat down to think about that when I heard that when we were going to the show. I was like, okay, here, wait, wait, here's an incredible opportunity to like make an impact and do something that could be really, really special. So those hats, if we're able to raise 25 grand through just these hats, 25 grand times 40 is a million dollars. Right. So basically in a weekend, and we've got a couple hundred more hats to sell and we're selling them on our website, but um, we'll move the rest of those this week and we're going to write a fat check to those guys. And that to me, Chad, is what it's about. That's why I'm here, dude. I'm obviously I love I love employing good people. I love being able to, you know, make it make a living doing something I love. But like, it's the big picture, right? You got to see yeah, the big tie into comfort conservation. And because yeah. if that's not good, I'm not good, right? Yeah. If there aren't places to hunt, then who's hunting? And if nobody's right. hunting, who's buying bird vests, right? So it's <laughs> like, it was it, it's one of those things that um you know i think people oftentimes overlook and there's all sorts of different organizations and some people complain that this one does this or this one does that and i just say the organizations are like people nobody's perfect but at least they're out there doing something and i'll always support a doer over somebody that just sits there and talks so that was something i was super proud that we're that we're working towards and i know we'll accomplish here in the next couple of days yeah, when I saw you post that up on Friday, I was like, man, that's, you know, I know the hats are going to sell in a heartbeat and that's that's going to be quite the dent in, you know, some sort of habitat, uh, you know, program or or wherever they need to allocate those funds. It's, it's going to make a big impact one. On yeah, like, like in perspective, right, this past year they raised, I think, or in the past five years, I think in like their campaign for the uplands or whatever, I think they raised like $562 million over the duration of that campaign, which is about five years. And I didn't run the numbers on that of like what that averaged to out on like, like a week, like a, a, on a monthly basis. But it's like, you know, that, that's a couple million dollars essentially every month. And to, to be the, I mean, we're the little guy in the pond, right? I mean, you've right. got Orvis, Filson, you've got a lot, a lot of companies that are way bigger than what we're doing. And all those guys do fantastic stuff. I mean, I think federal, I think on a quarterly basis, they write like a $25 million check to Pheasants wow. Forever. Like freaking crazy. That's, um, yeah, that's big, big stuff. But, but to be the little guy, you got to start somewhere, right? And I felt yeah. uh, felt pretty proud that we were able to put something together and make an impact just being the little guy. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, obviously, organizations like that taking care of, you know, the animals and the resources that we have and putting money and in time and work and effort towards conservation is a perpetual conversation in the space. Uh, but yeah. even more, even more so right now, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, the, the hunting as a whole is always under a little bit of an attack. Um, and you know, to have conservations like pheasants forever and Howl and some of these companies that are really putting boots on the ground right now. And, and, uh, you know, legislative efforts and, and things of that nature is, is awesome to see. And they need all the, the financial support they can get. So 
hundred percent, man. And if you guys are looking for his website and you're watching the live, you can see it right down there at the bottom final If you guys want to check that out, it I is down there. Look at you fancy. <laughs> if you see my eyes moving, Matt, that's, that's why I'm, I'm multitasking. Like I'm like breaking news. Like I should be reporting something important happening. Right <laughs> you just did. You just did. <laughs> breaking. Oh man. Thank you, Chad. Hey, no problem. Which, I mean, we, we buzzed by it a little bit there, but the, the fitness side of things, with everything you've got going on, obviously, I I thought you were still with Mountain Ops, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, obviously, you're you're putting a ton of hours. I mean, when you work for yourself, you're always working, right? You Absolutely. know, you work 100 hours a week to work for yourself versus working 40 hours a week for somebody else. And where in that schedule, how's, how's fitness fitting in right now? How's that going? It's still going good, man. I mean, that's that's a habit, right? I feel like fitness yes. and well-being is a habit. And fortunately, that was instilled in me or I instilled it in myself, maybe, you know, just being dedicated mm -hmm. to that specifically. But I'm at the gym five days a week and I live a very active lifestyle in general. We just came off of the tail end of our chucker season. And for people that haven't hunted wild chuckers before, the country that we're hunting it's basically hunting like rocky mountain sheep but you're trying to shoot birds that fly like laser beams and it's super sounds rad. like sounds like fun to me it, <laughs> it's, i mean it's it's cardio to the max i don't feel bad when i stop at a flying j and pound half a pizza after because i know i'm oh, still yeah. negative so <laughs> yeah 100 percent. some of the best pizzas i've ever had were after packing an elk off the mountain so. <laughs> absolutely man. no so it's it's been good i mean it's it's one of those things you know that self-care and being able to take care of yourself if number one isn't good right how can you take care of everything else and so that uh, that desire to self-improve and just progress through life and never, never flatline you know i feel like the harder i push myself that transcends and radiates into other aspects of my life and into business into my you know into my marriage my relationships and different things like that and that's mm -hmm. how i start my day every day because yeah. i feel like that just sets the tone and it's a it's a big deal to me so i can always yes. do better but it, i still do it yeah it's it's the foundation right you know not only is it the foundation yeah. for health but even you know as a business owner and, and an entrepreneur you know it gets you up gets you going you know, it's the one constant in your day to day that, you know, is going to be there. And, and there's such a big conversation about mental health and those things right now. And oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the gym has been my physical or my uh, psychiatrist for a long, long time. Um, when it comes to stress management and those sort of things, you just pick up iron a little bit and everybody needs a little little heavier dose of iron in their diet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, clear, it clears the anxiety. Yeah, I think is there's the most no way to put it. There's no uh, doubt about that. So now kind of backing up here, I know Zach's in the fitness part of it, but yeah, you we'll caught me. Squirrels. You <laughs> caught, yeah, we're chasing squirrels. Um, you caught me with one with one comment you made is the younger people not getting into the pheasant hunting as much. Yeah. Like, why? I mean, because you know, with while social media is is can be a very polluted and negative outlet. It can also be a very positive outlet, you know, and Absolutely. you know, when I think of the dogs, I think of pheasants, I think of duck hunting and the dogs and there's almost, and, and I know Zach will agree with, there's almost like a cinematic beauty 
to some of the stuff that you see for pheasant for ducks and and whatnot why do you think uh maybe it's not picking up with the with the youth as much well i and i i think it's starting to pick up chad i think like there's a change happening um i but i feel like there was kind of a gap and i feel I don't, I don't know necessarily where it came from. And I think maybe a lot of it more so has to do with opportunity in general. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little bit about this right before we kicked the show live, but yep. you know, growing up here, I used to have wild pheasants in my yard and I see them every now and then, but I don't shoot birds. I don't shoot wild pheasant in Utah anymore because I like, eh, I hope they come back. Like I'm willing to drive to, you know, Washington and different, different places like that to be able to hunt wild pheasant. Um, but I feel like a lot of it was opportunity and maybe, maybe the emphasis specifically on those things. Um, there's just kind of just this gap, essentially. I feel like there was 10, 15 years where, you know, things fell off and people really didn't start doing anything about it. You know, there's so much growth and development Mm -hmm. everywhere in the world. There's so many people and it's not, not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I just don't feel like you know, you couldn't walk out your door anymore. And, you know, I used to go to high school and I had a shotgun in my back window. I'm 32 years old. Like that's not a, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago. I was taking right. guns to school. Right. And you'd have, and you'd leave your dog in the truck and you, and then you'd get down and you'd freaking run down to the river. And half the time I was skipping school because I was trying to shoot a turkey off the roost or I was trying to catch fish. I want, <laughs> or I wanted to go shoot birds. Like I was just, you know, running around. And I, I feel like just maybe, how today's world is that isn't as welcome that isn't as embraced or okay and you know i don't know that was that was my therapy right i think zach was you know tying that fitness and everything some of these squirrels bringing them all all in the same box right it's like well they're squirrels and rabbits but sometimes they get together it happens (laughs) (laughs) But but there were outlets right we had outlets as it's like i remember playing till dark and it was be back by dark and you know i grew up on you know just a a 20 acre farm and had a big creek in the back and it was like come home do your chores had to play the piano unfortunately Mm -hmm. and then as soon as that was done it was like boom, out the back door. And, you know, everybody lived through the fields. I'd have to run over to my buddy Sean's house. Or I was down at Tory's or right. you're riding a bicycle everywhere. And Saturdays yep. were get your chores done and drive down to the canal. You know, we'd haul like a little kid thing down there with our tackle boxes. And we'd be freaking catching five pound brown trout in the canal by the high school. You know, it's just like things like that. And that's just it anymore i don't see kids riding their bikes to the gas station no you really don't get, man. A, no. get an ice cream bar or get a mountain dew or whatever it's like golly they're just sitting in the car and look at their damn phone sorry i should <laughs> no you're fine man you're fine. <laughs> so you're good i mean you're absolutely right i mean there's yeah. there's no kids out there i mean i can remember taking off on the bicycle and and literally getting lost and not yeah. knowing where the heck we were and pedaling as hard as we could to try to find our way back. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I mean, yeah. it happened often. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've yeah, and it transitioned from the bicycles to the dirt bikes. And mm-hmm. yeah, just, I mean, good grief. Saturdays and Sundays, I mean, most of the time we were spending all day in the woods, you know, building jumps and yeah. climbing hills and trying to avoid hospital visits and, yeah, just being lost. <laughs> you know, 
just yeah. being lost, just going and getting literally lost, and nobody cared. <laughs> that was the no, most no, no, that, that, that was the thing. Nobody cared. I mean, you did something wrong, and you know, you'd show up and hey, Bob called me and he saw you throwing rocks at cars. You're like, Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shouldn't have been doing that or whatever. And yeah. it wasn't it, it just wasn't what it was now. And so, but coming back to you know, youth activity and bird hunting and stuff like that. I do feel, Chad, that it is starting to kind of pick up and it's interesting. People don't view fish or birds the same as they view an elk or a mule deer or anything a else, bear. right? That yeah. they, they aren't on the same level in those people's eyes. I mean, to me, a life's a life, right? And mm -hmm. I'm an avid fly fisherman. I'm an avid hunter in general, but it's just interesting that a lot of that stuff is more openly accepted. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you were saying. It's very like poetic, right? Like mm -hmm. bird hunting and fly fishing and all that stuff. It's very romantic, right? There's yes. just so romantic. It is, it's, um, you know, you kind of just get lost in what you're doing. It's like, I can follow my dog around for five hours and not even realize how long I've been out there. Right. I just love watching my dog just cover ground and cut. Just watching him work. Watching yeah. him work. And when he stacks up on point, like it's, yeah. then you're fishing, you know, and you're just, you'll catch to the same fish 30 times while he's sitting there, you know, sipping on something. You're just trying to catch him. And it's like, well, oh, at man, a point that becomes play. principle. <laughs> 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 that becomes principle. It's I'm going to catch you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So it's it's just interesting, but it it I mean, I do feel transparently that the upland space, it's kind of the last frontier of the hunting space that hasn't been monopolized. It it's been because it's a smaller group, mm -hmm. a lot of your bigger companies don't look at it and say that's worth our time, which right. is perfect for the little guy like me that's like I don't need to be a billionaire. Like I just want to, yeah. I just want to be able to pay my bills and go, go, go play. play. Like that's, that's great for me. Yeah. So don't look at it. Don't pay attention to what we're doing down here. But uh, you know, I, I, I feel, um, I feel like we've kind of brought, brought a lot of attention. Uh, humbly speaking, I think we've really disrupted the upland space and brought a lot of attention to it. And you start seeing a lot of bigger companies that are like, Oh, like, hey, there are communities there. Oh, there, yeah. there, there is people that actually care about that. And with how companies are growing now and or lack of growth, people are looking to start casting a little bit broader net, right? So product categories yeah. are, you know, changing and developing. And they're saying, well, hey, we didn't think it was very big before, but we're not growing in this channel. So let's go chase this one. And, yeah. you know, see if we can get 10% of it or whatever that is. Right. And right. there's a piece of the pie for everybody and it's, and it's all great, but you know, we're, we're just doing our thing and there's no rear view mirror on this bus. We're just looking out the windshield. Yeah. Well, and I think if people knew that pheasant tasted way better than chicken ever thought about tasting. <laughs> sorry, It's a fact, man. It's just a fact. Sorry. Giving away all his secrets. I know. Man, yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> if you haven't had it, you may not know what you're missing. You know, I think it's I think it's awesome to see a company like you guys come in and disrupt the space a little bit, so to speak. Because I mean, like like you said, a lot of those companies in there haven't been challenged for such a long, long time. 
and yeah. everything was getting a bit stale and you know complacentness is like you know the antagonist to progress and in a space like that when something new comes along i mean you guys introducing something new to the space is only going to make it all better right a ab absolutely and the rising tides lift all ships right yep. and I, right. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that it's I'm not competing against anybody. This is a me versus me. I just want to see what I'm capable of and what we can do and how I can express our ideas and what we're doing. And that's everything that we do is based off of real field experience. I mean, I spend 50 plus days behind my dogs every single year and that's on a slow year. You know, it's like I'm bird yeah. hunting three days a week. I travel all over the place to hunt wild birds. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not some LA designer sitting at a high tech software, just making a, a Gucci looking bag. I'm making functional right. gear that works based yeah. on everything that I know and what I've experienced. And so hopefully that's the, the upper hand that hopefully, you know, helps us stay relevant and keep growing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I need to get out there and spend a few of those 50 days with you. It's, uh, it's something we've chatted about it before. It's something I've always wanted to do. And now that I've got a couple of uh, over and unders, it's it's time to put them to work. So <laughs> story on an over under. So <laughs> at, at the Pheasants Forever Banquet uh, this year up for auction was the very first gun that was ever auctioned off at a pheasants forever banquet this is like way back in like the early oh, wow. 80s. i say way back because it wasn't that long ago but in the 80s and it was this it was this browning satori like grade 5 20 gauge like zach you would just unbelievable right <laughs> so we're sitting in there and you know you look at the you know that you're you got the program for the banquet and you're like hey like you know, what, what do we think all these things are going to go for? There's hunts, there's gear and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, there's no way that gun is going for less than 50 K. I mean, there's some, there's some, some high rollers right. up, that, uh, up in those banquets. I mean, there's 1500 people in yeah. that banquet. And I mean, it's a lot. Well, of and that, that space in general kind of attracts a little more of that demographic, yeah. right? Yep, a a absolutely. Which is wonderful. I'm, I, I love that, that that's there. Mm. Anyways, we're sitting there and that gun's going super slow. And I've never paid myself from Final Rise. A lot of people don't know this. I put every dollar of our, of our business back into our business. Um, I'm able to live off of what Mount Ops pays me. And so I keep, you know, reinvesting everything back into Final Rise. And um i've always been joking i'm like hey like one of these days i'm going to pay myself but i'm going to buy something cool you know <laughs> right <laughs> you guys probably can tell where i'm going with this oh yeah and you know this gun holds up and it's at like 14 grand and i'm like there's no way that that gun is leaving this building for under 20k <laughs> if it isn't coming with me and so I start bidding on it. And the first time I raised my hand, dude, my wife freaking whack right in my <laughs> Anyways, I wrote it to like 21. And then I was like, all right, I should probably simmer down. But little <laughs> did I know, I was bidding against the guy that had donated the gun back to Pheasants Forever. Oh. And 
he was he was going to go to the top. He was going to get it back. But anyway, that's wild. Yeah, my <laughs> wife was pretty upset at with me for a minute. Hey, we're talking about buying a motorcycle. Like I'm just going to buy yeah. the, the, yeah. one of the most historic guns in pheasant forever history. And she's yeah, this is way my, safer than two wheels. Uh, dude, that's <laughs> and all my buddies were like, "Would you have shot that?" I'm like, "Absolutely." Yeah, <laughs> Matt. Matt would have had that thing in a gun vise in the garage, sanding on the stock just to make it fitting better. So. <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's like these guys that buy twenty five thousand dollar Craig offs and take them home and start sanding on the stock. I'm like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> just it a takes. tool, right? It's just a tool. It's just a tool. Uh, ain't nothing oh. you can't fix with a grinder and a sawzall. No, yeah, no. Well. duct tape, super glue, and or gorilla glue. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> Off I've side. seen Matt. I've seen Matt lay down some pretty good checkering patterns on a stock, though. So. <laughs> Off the subject, I seen a kayak today that was literally held together on the bottom. It was a whitewater kayak. It was literally gorilla tape on the bottom of this oh, wow. boat, and it had so many holes in it. And the guy's like, "It's her last ride, but we're going." Send it. <laughs> Hopefully it's that's, not your last ride too. <laughs> yeah. that's a marketing, the, pictures, the pictures were up. That's all I'm saying. That's a marketing ad for gorilla tape, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, it was it was amazing. <laughs> I got told I couldn't share it and repost it, but <laughs> it was cool. Oh man. So let's so uh the, yeah, go for it. No, you're dogs. good. Let's get yeah. into dogs. You gotta talk about dogs. How do you talk about pheasant hunt without talking about the dogs? So tell us a little bit about your dogs, your assistants, your crew um, that you're taking out with you. What all? Uh, what all do you use species yeah. wise? And so I'm I'm big on the German Shorthaired Pointers or the GSPs. Those are those have kind of been my flavor since I've got gotten into the pointing breeds. I still have a lab. I I do quite a bit of field hunting still, uh, waterfowling as well. And so I've I've still got a lab in the lineup. I grew up with labs. I've got a soft spot for them. I. I I think they're wonderful dogs, but my, uh, my flavor of the pointing dogs is definitely the, the short hairs. They're that great versatile dog. It's a hardy dog. It's a durable dog. Um, you know, they're, they're borderline psycho enough that, you know, they make just really nice wild bird dogs. And I've been super fortunate to have some, some fantastic dogs in my life. I've got four of them right now. Um, I've got three short hairs, uh, reload is my oldest dog. He's 12. And then I've got Chief. He just turned four. He's a solid liver short hair. He's a super handsome dude. And then I've got a puppy, uh, Goose, that'll turn about a year. I think he'll hit a year in a couple months now. And so this was his first season. And it's 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 interesting. You know, dogs are they're just like people. I, re I really believe oh, that their personalities and their strengths and their weaknesses and, and how they know how they hunt and how they work and how they work together and, and uh it's been fun to navigate that and grow with those dogs you know they're learning i'm learning as a handler and it's it's been fun you know i feel like every dog i get is progressively better you know and it's whether i know what i'm looking for in my breeding or i now know how to better handle a dog i'm not you know inducing negative things into a dog um yeah it's just they're 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 my world. I don't I don't have kids. 
I just buy bird dogs and my wife buys, <laughs> buys uh, barrel horses. So she's got horses. I've got dogs and we're both happy. There, <laughs> there you go, go, man. So how much time on average, I mean, do you spend day to day on, on their training? Um, this, I mean, coming off the, coming off the wild bird season, I mean, I'll, this time of year, I'll usually let them, let them lay around for three months or so. I mean, I start thinking about turkeys and bear hunting and, as much as I want to like relax, because I mean, literally I get a hunt from August through February mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got our spring seasons. I mean, there's really maybe two months out of the year that I don't get a hunt. And in those months I'm fly fishing, you know, multiple times a week and anything in between there. Um, I, I'm a big believer in short and sweet. I'm fortunate. I live on some great ground. Um, mm -hmm. I got a lot of uh, homing pigeons and stuff like that so we do quite a bit of work with them but i i'm a big believer that wild birds are the best trainer for a bird dog and the more dog or excuse me the more birds i can put in front of my dogs the better off they are and now that i know how to handle dogs it, it's really interesting to see a, a well-bred dog with a good pedigree i mean they're just they're just naturally talented and you know, there's always little things that you have to correct here and there, but for the most part, you know, I'm only spending a couple times a week, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes with the dog. And it's just keeping that front of mind, you know, keeping them sharp on that. But come hunting season, I just hunt the heck out of them. And they, uh, they're really nice dogs. I've, I've, I mean, every, everybody loves their dog. Everybody likes how their dog works, but, um, man, I, I hunt with a lot of people every single year and, uh, fortunate to have some really nice dogs that do a great job makes it That's hard to awesome. be a cat person <laughs> yeah oh yeah, sure. oh. yeah. we don't even want to talk about that yeah i had to can a couple cats in my day yeah. <laughs> oh that's awesome where'd uh final rise where'd the name final rise come from that's a great question. And I've really only ever told the story one time. I did a live with a guy like a year ago. Um, final rise. So it was interesting. I was, I was in, I was actually working on my Jeep with my buddy Derek and Tom. And this was like when I was trying to decide, like, hey, I think I'm gonna do this, you know. And so I'm working on a website, I'm working on logos and doing different things. And I knew that I wanted to do the feather specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and you know we were talking and i i had written down you know like bandit bag or like things that were like more like related like chuckers like people call like chuckers like bandit birds or like the mm -hmm. red leg red leg devils or whatever and i was like no i don't want to like pinhole myself specifically into a species right i, I mean right i've worked for some great companies and worked in branding and so you know i i understand the bigger picture and making sure that i'm not like this is who we are and we can't do anything else. No. And so I was really trying to think about like what as bird hunters, like what do we live for? Like what is that moment? Like what, what, like, you know, whether it's fishing, you know, it's like rod tip down or when it's like, you know, hunting and you hear the, a, 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 you know, branch break or the leaves move or whatever. It's like, what is that like moment where it's like, all of a sudden the blood pressure rises and it's go time, you know, and for bird hunting, that is the rise of the bird. That's the cubby flush, right? That's the right. rise. That is, that is that pinnacle moment of, 
you know, orchestrated chaos, if you will. It's this, it's, it's this violent disruption of birds just going every which direction, but it's that whole time standing still type deal at the same time. And right. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, that rise is that pinnacle moment, but how do you, how do you respect that with the type of reverence that it's like, yeah, we're out there killing birds, right? Hunting includes killing, but so it's like, so how do you tie, you know, successfully harvesting birds with that pinnacle moment and make that relate to a product? I was like, well, final rise, right? Final rise is speaking specifically to the rise of that bird and mm -hmm. that final moment of the life that it's lived essentially before it's going to be, you know, putting the game back, taken home and enjoyed. Yeah. I love That's it. Good. Love that. Love logo branding, all of it. it it's uh, it's super awesome. Thank you. Well, it all flows together. No, and you mentioned not kind of not pigeon or hold, pigeonholing yourself into, you know, one specific thing. And we thought about that a lot when we came up with Huntley as, you know, kind of its own thing. And we we ran it as bow crazy for a long time. We were like, yeah, but what if we want to pick up a shotgun and go hunt birds or, you know, yep. whatever it is we might want to do. And just from the athleticism and fitness and hunting and all that, and that's, that's where it all came from. But yeah. Well, there's. There's two things that rise that I really like birds and fish. Right. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you guys are smart guys. So you can, you can tell where I'm going with that, but the final rise on a fish can also be very nerve wracking. <laughs> Absolutely. I've seen too many yeah. lures go. <laughs> yeah. A couple of them still haunt me to this day. Mm hmm. <laughs> What's uh, what's the one place that you want to go hunt birds or a species of bird that you want to hunt that you have not done yet? Fabulous question. Yeah, great question. Um, I would like to go to Hawaii and hunt chucker. Hawaii has, cool. has wild chucker populations and okay. they have they have a couple odd species of birds and I don't remember the exact names of those species, but um I've seen a handful of pictures. There's a gentleman I follow, his name's Dean. I think it's Sneeling or Snelling, um, is the is the kid's name. Super cool guy. And they're hiking like across like lava fields, and there's like active volcanoes in the background, and they're hunting chucker, and I'm like I mean, Chucker's my thing, right? That is like, right. That's my thing. Um, and so to be, I, you know, I, I want to hunt and, and successfully hunt Chucker in every possible location that they are. And so Hawaii is, uh, is definitely a bucket trip, but it would be really cool to go <laughs> to like Iraq or Iran to mm -hmm. where these birds originated from. Mm -hmm. and okay. There. I see there's like these, you know, bird hunting Facebook groups and stuff like that. And there's a lot of those guys over there and they'll post pictures and, you know, they have these stacks of birds and they're out there with like old shotguns and their traditional wear and their robes and their sandals, if they have sandals. And I'm like, right, dude, I have got to get over there and do that. Like That's guys wild. are going over there, hunting, you know, like, uh, y'all Ibex and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, there's no reason I should be able to go over there and hunt chucker right yeah bucket list <laughs> that'd cool. be that'd be pretty crazy i'm i'm waiting on the photo of you dressed in traditional iraqi garb out there <laughs> hunting chucker in the mountain you gotta embrace it right if you're gonna do yeah. the whole thing you're gonna go do on. it you gotta do it 100 percent. 
So <clears throat> Zach had that question. What is uh, what's your goals and ambitions as you move forward? Where's where does where's the path ten years from now look? What's it look like? Oh man, you know I've never been. I've never been like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or Chad. I'm kind of that, you know, what, what, what are the opportunities that are available to me today and what I do with that opportunity? What will that, what will that lead me to? I did. I mean, you definitely have to have the foresight um, as you envision, you know, directionally where you're going, you know, I speak to final rise. It's like, well, obviously mm-hmm. I want to branch into fishing and different things like that. Um, but I, I would love Chad to, to have final rise be just viewed as a company that pioneered and innovated like that, that the really the feather in my hat is that, you know, whether in five years, you know, someone comes in and just totally freaking kicks my butt and they have more money than I can, you know, even try to keep up with them and they rip off my product or whatever. But like, I hope that we've left a legacy of, you know, people that want to do this for the right reasons and wanted to be American made and innovated and change things. And if our impact, you know, if the ripple effect that we cause, you know, motivates people to support different conservation groups and like, just like changes the paradigm of the upland space to where people say like, Hey, those people made a difference. Like it's because Mm -hmm. of those people that we are where we are now. You know, I, there's that, uh, gal, what is the name of the book? Is it begin with the end in mind? Um, or gosh, dang it. I'm trying to remember the name. Dang it. I'm forgetting. But anyways, basically the, the, the concept of this book is like, Hey, when you die, like, what do you want people to say about you? And I think about that a lot. And I just want to be known as someone that Mm -hmm. was honest, that was kind, and was hardworking. And I feel like if I can embody those three things and inject that into everything we do with final rise, that we will make a positive impact. I feel like we have made a positive impact. And so I feel like this is kind of, kind of tip of the spear and I'm excited to see where it goes and, you know, who knows where we'll be in 10 years, but hopefully it's a rad giant American, American made manufacturing place. That's just making incredible hunting gear. Yeah. I think you're on the right path. You guys just launched your new pant. Fully American made. Yeah. I don't know if you want to say anything about that, but I saw that come out and I was like, dude, that's that that feels like a, a pretty big accomplishment to me because sewing a pack is one thing, but getting a pair of pants made, that that just seems like a whole nother mountain. Yeah, yeah. That and that's been a long time coming. I mean, it, I, I look like I said, I look at the upland space and we've kind of said, you know, it, it it's been pretty stale, right? It's been pretty stagnant. There's a couple of the big dogs that are making some awesome stuff and doing some incredible things. But there, I feel like there's an opportunity to raise that bar and raise that standard of how how products, the quality of products, and how those how those work in the space. And so, technical gear, pants, base layers, different things like that. Um, man, the Upland space is very much ready for for a, a Sitka or a Kuyu uh, with gear that's specific to our needs and what we do. There's enough people that are passionate about it and want to support the Upland community that. Um, we're going to be the pioneers in that and we're going to come in and do a good job with it. So I'm super excited. I'm anxious to see it, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, they are. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, Matt, we have eclipsed the hour mark. So what we typically do is we close this thing out is we let you uh, thank the people that you need to thank, tell the people where to find more about you and final rise on the socials. 
Great. Well, I just, uh, man, grateful for you guys allowing me to come on and appreciate your guys' time and the opportunity to talk about what we do. I'm grateful for my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for my wife and grateful for the American people that support us. We've got an incredible team, and I, I recognize that I couldn't do what I, what we're doing without a good team. This it, it's not me. I promise you guys that it's it's not me. So I'm grateful for the universal support that we're able to receive. And uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to keep rolling, keep giving her the skinny pedal. But uh, you can find us at finalrise.com. That's just like to see it here. Finalrise.com on the uh, on the gram and on Facebook as well. Same old, same old. Fortunately, I was able to snag those up, keep it nice and simple, mm -hmm. just at Final Rise on both platforms. And I uh, would invite you to check us out. If you guys have any questions, our contact information is there. would love to engage with you and help answer any questions that you have. But appreciate the people that tuned in to watch. And uh, hopefully we'll catch you all on the flip. There yeah. you guys have it. Well, Matt, we're going to hide you for a minute. We're going to close this thing out, and we'll be right back with you, bud. Thanks, Thank you, buddy. That was a bit of a selfish podcast on my part because I hadn't talked to Matt in forever and I just wanted to talk to Matt. No, that was a great <laughs> podcast. <clears throat> that was a great podcast. I like it when we've yeah. got a guest. And, you know, I feel like every story, though, that we've heard, with the exception of episode 16, um, was... <laughs> I said it. The, the lost episode. The lost episode on Spotify. Um, yeah. everything that, you know, we hear from Matt or any of these others, Luther, um, some of them, man, it's just been an awesome experience to get to sit down have a moment of these guys time and, and get to know them, hear their stories. And, you know, that for me is a learning experience every time we do one of these things and, you know, it gets you pumped up for the next one. It really does. Yeah. And, you know, I know who to, to direct my wife to with her inquiries whenever she asked me why I picked up a new hobby <laughs> of upland hunting. Um, it'll be Matt and Fred. It's all their fault. <clears throat> our wives are tired of our new hobbies. <laughs> it's probably best year in Pennsylvania and I'm here. So they cannot communicate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with that being said, guys, uh, thanks for listening to the Orion podcast, the cooler podcast, telling even cooler stories. Um, if you're interested in an Orion cooler or an Orion kennel for that matter, check us out. Jacksonkayak.com. Um, then if you're looking for a kayak, uh, you know, hop on there, check out all our kayaks that we've got at jacksonkayak.com and, you know, get a hold of one of our local dealers, go take a demo, get yourself in a seat and have a good time out there on the water. Um, and see pro batteries back here in the back. We'll keep us charged up all year long while we're out fishing. Excited. Excited. Yeah. I'm ready to get the year kicked off for sure. We've been. Yeah. Been a busy couple of weeks, but I feel like it's just it's just getting rolling. We got some projects to get done. Well, you're so. gonna be an uncle twice here pretty yeah, soon. You're probably gonna have to yeah. come home. Yeah. <laughs> it's all more reason to come home. So with that being said, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thursday night, Doc Talk, Jackson Kayak, uh, Jackson Kayak, Facebook, Jackson Kayak, Fishing Facebook, and here on the YouTube. So check us out there and we will see you guys on Thursday. Bye bye. Hey, peace.